Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to HIV Hope and Charity, a podcast series brought to you by TVPS, a charity that's been supporting people affected by HIV since 1985. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess and we work for TVPS and our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. If you like the podcast, please rate, subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello, Jessica. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Very good, thank you. Are you enjoying this, what we fashioned to record in? I'm enjoying sitting on the floor to record (laughs) this. It's times of corona, what can we do? Yes. But we are socially distanced. Yes, socially distanced. There's a screen between us, which is weird. And we are um, complying with all COVID rules. Yes. So it's the way it has to be. Yeah, but I am with you. It's not ideal, the sitting on the floor situation. No, no, it's not. It's not the comfiest, is it? And if I leap up, it's because I've got cramp. <laughs> At my age, <laughs> these things happen. Okay, okay. So we'd better press on. I've been warned. <laughs> Okay, so this week's HIV Hero, actually it's a combination. And I know you gave me the brief of a different person each week. And I just stretch those boundaries because this week I'm going for an organisation and their CEO. A a whole (laughs) organisation? Yes. There's a lesson. There's a lesson for you in this. Just don't give me a brief. Isn't it? In the first one, obviously, we had um, a couple. You stretched it already. We had um, Dugar and then Mackay, and it just went on and on to all the other people. This time, just a full organisation. Yes. Okay, amazing. I know, but it's a really good organisation. So this week, uh, we're looking at women with HIV. We're going to start with an organisation originally called Positively Women, but now called Positively UK. Yes, yes. Amazing work. We're going to start with the women that started that organisation um, because I think they're quite heroic. Mm. So here's their story. So we're going back to the 80s. Again, it's my favourite era. <laughs> Isn't it? We're, yeah. we're just there. We're stuck there. I'm stuck there, most <laughs> definitely. 
Now, in the 80s, um, there were women who were diagnosed with HIV, but they're not really mentioned. So the focus is mainly on the many men that contracted, but there were some women, but much lower numbers. And they faced um, a very isolating and, and often a prejudiced time, and they weren't really talked about. So by 1989, it was estimated that women accounted for a third of HIV cases worldwide, which is a lot higher than I thought. Yeah. Several thousand were diagnosed in the UK and upwards of 8,000 women who were infected, but they didn't know it. They hadn't been diagnosed. So despite the growing numbers, the only information given to women about HIV was largely concerned with pregnancy and transmission from mother to baby. Yeah. Okay. And that's um, a really common theme at the time. This kind of lack of information, this lack of knowledge. So there was rarely information specifically for women to protect themselves. So I don't know, if they were intravenous drug users, for example, there wasn't any information aimed at them um, because it was all very much centred on men. Now, kind of illustrate my point further there is um there's an excellent example of prejudice because in 1987 the royal college of midwives called for two things so first of all they said that hiv positive mothers should be isolated while on maternity no and supported offered also being supported offered counseling so not that that makes it any better god and secondly that a possible termination should be offered to pregnant women who tested positive. Oh, if only we could show your facial expressions. God, it's just shocking, isn't it? And this is why we need to do these podcasts. This is why we need to talk about this stuff, because we're not... I, I didn't know that. I was unaware that that's what was happening at the time. So was I. And I mean, I suppose to put it in some sort of context... They hadn't really established transmission routes, so they couldn't prevent mother-to-baby transmission in the womb. So I suppose I can understand them offering terminations, although, you know, it's pretty harsh. But I can't understand them isolating mothers, most of whom would probably have found out they were positive during pregnancy. Why do that to them? Yeah. It's just, it seems barbaric now, and I cannot imagine what it would have been like for those women at the time. I'm not a mother, as we know. <laughs> but, I mean, how would you have felt? Obviously, you have two children, at, you know, in pregnancy, being sectioned off suddenly. You've got so much to deal with anyway, just being a new mum. Yeah, definitely. I mean, being a new mum can be isolating anyway. You know, it's a massive challenge and a, and a huge change in your life. And I think it's hard enough just coming to terms with the fact that... Um, you're either pregnant and you've been diagnosed with HIV or you've had your baby and you're learning how to live with being positive. Having a baby's tough anyway. Yeah. Now, a lot of the information that I have for this article, um, or for this article, like I've written it myself, <laughs> for this podcast has come from an article in 2011. It was in iNews and it's written by Dr. Kate Lister. Now, I'd not come across her before, but she is an amazing writer. Um, and she could curates a research project called, I love this name, The Whores of Yore. Um, and basically, the project uh, ensures research on sexuality and the history of sex work is accessible to the public. So she goes right back in history and it's fascinating. Um, she's quite iconic in herself. She could be a future HIV hero for us. I thought you were just adding her into the pile of today, <laughs> the mountain of people. No. 
And there's another lady I should mention. You see, I've broadened it every time. Um, Dr. Lister has worked with her and she's called Dr. Hannah J. Elizabeth and she's researched HIV and how it affected women and children from the 80s and 90s. Again, very interesting. Between the two of them, their knowledge on HIV and women is vast. Um, they're both on Twitter and they're definitely worth it. Oh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll put their, um, their handles up along with the podcast. So... They've helped me today with today's podcast. They are true historians, not like me with oh, my self-appointed title. Self-proclamation of... Anyway, back to the 80s, back to my comfort zone. So, in the early years of HIV, as we know, there was lots of work at grassroots level. Um, that's how TVPS started. So, affected communities were volunteering and fighting for treatment support, fighting to end stigma. Um, and the fight was no different for women who were positive, but they were led by obviously a much smaller group, but a group of very determined women. Two of them formed Positively Women in 1987. Both were positive themselves and they set up the organisation because the services already available just didn't meet their needs. Now, one of them was called Janet. That's not her real name, but she's one of the women in the iNews article Dr. Kate Lister's article that I just talked about. She was from Glasgow and she'd been an intravenous drug user before being admitted to hospital in 1984 with a range um, of health problems, including pneumonia. While she was in hospital, she was tested for HIV without her knowledge or consent. I'm going to film the next podcast because your <laughs> facial expressions are amazing. It's, I mean, consent is everything. I, I don't know if actually people are aware, maybe people listening are, but obviously you're made aware aren't you when you have a blood test they'll ask you if it's okay to you'll be made aware if you're being tested for HIV as well so it's not just I think an awful lot of people actually sorry this is a bit off-piste but that we have we have contact us just think oh I've had a routine blood test so it would have been checked and it's like well no it doesn't work like that we ask for consent yes continue (laughs) thank you but yes in 1984 consent not so much of an issue um the result came back positive And the following day, the porters at the hospital, they moved Janet to her own room and they put biohazard stickers and a do not enter sign on the door. Only after they'd moved her, did they tell her that she had HIV. It's actually awful, isn't it? I want to say it's unbelievable, but as this podcast goes on, I feel like I do believe this. Um, And she stayed in that room for six weeks while she recovered from her pneumonia. Bloody hell. There was no help or follow-up support when she was discharged. Uh, So she started to use heroin again and um, until she was offered residential rehab. So she's trying to change her life. We should explain that there's a busy road outside. (laughs) That's not someone protesting against my podcast. That was quite the honk, wasn't it? It was a very disapproving honk. She started to use heroin. Beep! (laughs) They were, no, they were rooting for her. They were like, no! Come on, Janet, we want you to pull through. Uh, She did go into rehab and she was asked to leave after she disclosed her HIV status. Oh, I know. By this point... I'm full on supporting Janet. This cannot happen to her. Well, it's awful, isn't it? You're diagnosed with something and then you're trying to access treatment, you're trying to access help and you're it's made difficult at every turn. Absolutely. What she decided to do next was to start her own support group. And this is a quote from the iNews article. So she says, I'd never met another woman who had the virus. All of the support groups, the HIV support groups, catered for men. All of the doctors and counsellors were men 
and all the available information was geared towards gay men. I was waiting around for somebody to do something, but in the end, I thought, well, nobody else is doing anything. I'll start something myself. What a woman. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that sort of attitude. Yeah, I do. I find your own solution. I'm not saying that's how everyone, but that's fantastic. And to have that strength to be like, actually, I'm going to do it myself. Um, And she did. She made posters and flyers. She put her own phone number on them. And slowly calls started to come in. She had her first kind of drop-in meeting, I guess you'd call it. Nobody turned up. But by the following year, she was holding fortnightly meetings with over 30 regular attendees and providing support to over 150 women across the country. And she joined forces with other women and that's how Positively Women was founded. Oh, wow. I know. Now, at this point, because I've said that right the way through, there's two women who started this organisation. It's a bit unclear whether Janet is one of the three women I'm going to talk about next. <laughs> okay, more. we've got more people coming in now. That's yes. nice. I'm just trying to keep up with everyone that we're mentioning. <laughs> um, because she didn't set the organisation up on her own. Other women are also attributed with the setup. And I don't want to miss anyone out. Of course. So potentially, one of them is actually Janet. So on the Positively UK website, two women are credited. A lady called Jenny, possibly Janet, and a lady called Sheila. Now, Sheila is a lady called Sheila Gilchrist. And she's credited um, as the other founder. So there's an old newspaper article I found on the Drugwise website. Um, I don't know where it's from originally or the year. They've just put this article on there. And it features people involved in HIV in the 80s, including someone in West Berkshire, which is our neck of the woods. But in it, Sheila is interviewed about Positively Women and describes putting up posters and setting up the group. And she's credited in the article as the founder. She's also credited in a book called Triple Jeopardy Women and AIDS, where she's cited as the director of Positively Women. The book's written by Judy Mariassi and Laura Thomas, and Sheila contributes. So she's obviously a key kind of member of, of what's going on at the time. And then I found another name. My research was very intense this week. So there's a lady called Kate Thompson, who now heads up the Community Rights and Gender Department at the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis and Malaria. She wrote Positively Women Living with AIDS with Sue O'Sullivan, of which Sheila Gilchrist is credited as the editor. So they're all linked. And she was definitely involved in the setup. And as she is a renowned HIV activist, I mean, she's spoken at many global HIV events. She's very highly respected within the HIV sector. She's actually a very remarkable woman. I mean, her story in her, in her own right is incredible. And then, I know it goes on, I came across a Guardian article written in December 2003 by David Smith. And it's an interview with the actor Mark McGann and his wife, Caroline Guinness. And Caroline talks about living with HIV and how she set up Positively Women with Sheila and Kate. Now, I should point out, in the article, it does state she didn't contract from being an intravenous drug user. So I don't think she's Janet. At this point, I thought, you know what? doesn't actually really matter who the founders were. Agreed. Because they're all awesome. They all deserve credit. Um, and they're an inspiration to us, really, to le- never let their good work go unacknowledged. Yes. And just in case at this point there's any doubt that this support was needed, there is a bit more from the iNews article. 
which I think highlights why Positively Women was so important at the time. So it says, Positively Women reached women who hadn't left their homes since their diagnosis, those whose partners had left them and taken their children away. Many were racked with guilt for being sick and believed they were dirty. Most hadn't disclosed their diagnosis to anyone, believing they would lose friends, family and work if they did so. The need for support was clear as Janet recalled. She said they don't go to male counsellors, or they go to male counsellors, sorry, who ask them how many partners they've had and turning to God. The women want to ask about periods and rape and babies and relationships with men. They need to talk to a woman, but their questions are not getting answered or their needs met. So there you go. I should say at this point, Positively UK is still awesome, as we know. They um, recognise the importance of peer support. So it was and still is the premise of Positively UK. You know, they have an excellent peer support programme. They offer peer support training all over the country. And we know from TVPS how powerful that can be in helping positive people accept and live with their diagnosis. Oh, completely, completely. And I think there's nothing stronger. Obviously, we can offer support, but there's nothing better than having someone who's already lived live through something that you're experiencing perhaps they're not experiencing or they haven't experienced it in exactly the same way but it's not the point it's it's being able to relate to someone isn't it absolutely and that's what they excel at definitely they always have and I think they always will Mm. now I mentioned the CEO of Positively Women she is amazing she has many many accolades so her name is Sylvia Petretti and she was appointed their CEO in February 2019 She joined Positively UK in 1999 as a volunteer. Um, She joined the community development team. So she was providing information to women attending HIV clinics. Soon she became a staff member, uh, leading on support for women with drug and alcohol issues and providing outreach in Holloway Prison. I mean, this is a lady that does not shy away from challenges, clearly. Since then, she's had many roles, um, Within the organisation, she set up POSFEM, the first national women's network. Um, she developed new activists through the Taking Part project and the recent Changing Perceptions campaign. She's got a lot of drive, a lot of ambition. Yeah, that's a lot in itself, isn't it? She also... I knew it. That's why I said already, <laughs> because I knew. I knew there was going to be more. She has represented people with HIV on the British HIV Association board. She did that between 2008 and 2011. She's chaired the UKCAB. She's represented the global network of people living with HIV at the United Nations. And she currently sits on the World Health Organization Advisory Board on Women and HIV. She's lived with HIV herself for 23 years. I mean, she is absolutely nailing it in ensuring women with HIV in the UK and around the world have a voice. I think personally, she's one of the most inspirational women within our sector. She works tirelessly. She's innovative. She's fearless. She's courageous. I mean, I could go on, but I think I have proved my point in terms of HIV. Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. Because there's no doubt she is definitely one of them. Yeah. What a woman. I know. She really is. Yeah, she deserves huge respect, actually. And if you think about how the organisation was founded by Janet... Um, and the other women at the time and the drive and, and the ambitious and the fearlessness that they had, the courage. She continues that. Yeah, she's carried that forward, hasn't she? Like, absolutely. Yeah. 
So there you go. I conclude my HIV oh, hero for this week. Amazing. Do you know what? Like we said, obviously we know about Positivity UK and what a fantastic organisation they are. But it's so nice to hear that history, to learn yes. a little bit more about them. I always think it brings organisations to life. It's like when you look back at the history of TVPS and those gay men that met secretly at each other's houses, some of whom we knew because, you know, they have lived with HIV for so long. And it really makes you, it makes me more passionate to continue that work because they were very brave to do that and to take the initiative to set up and to recognise that support was needed and they needed to help each other. Yes, yes. Completely. We'll we'll put links, as always, to um, Positively UK. So go and check them out, definitely. But yes, amazing job, Sarah. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to the next one. Thank you for listening to HIV Hope and Charity. If you'd like to know more about the work that we do, visit tvps.org.uk. And please like, subscribe and rate the podcast if you enjoyed it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.